might have heard that the Talica boys were gonna play some heavy shit tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another edition of Metal Tales from the Road. I'm here with my homie Edgar Baradas, who is affiliated with the California to Self-Destruct chapter of the Metallica fan club. And uh, he's a huge diehard fan, big supporter of the show, good friend of the show. Has one of the black tickets, which we're going to talk about here in a second. But we should tell the story of how you and I got to meet on the road. Uh, you live in Los Angeles, and I was going there to play some shows. And we got to hang out and sit on the bus and talk Metallica for a little bit. That was cool. Yeah, I was pretty chill, dude. I was, I was, I was really happy that I got to meet you and just, you know, hang in there for a, for a few minutes and and talk about the band. And you did bring us a uh, one of the California to Self Destruct flags, which uh, it was such a treat to get one of those flags because I was just so used to seeing it in the tuning room. So we uh, we've got that's up in HQ two right now as we speak. So we're waving the flag proudly. And uh, how how many Metallica shows have you been to before this tour started? Uh, before the U.S. tour, uh, it's been 22. 22. Yeah. Not bad. Pretty good. I, I think. <laughs> I, I mean, it's quite a bit more than me. And where did you come online with the band? What's the, what's the first tour you saw, first record? Tell us, give us a little bit of the Metallica backstory for you. Well, first tour was, uh, 2008, the Dead Magnetic one. Uh, that was the first one I was actually able to attend. But uh, I came um, online with the band um, somewhere around the Black Album era, probably. The thing is, I didn't know the band that much, but I, I, I had a choice at school whether I wanted to play a flute or a guitar, so I, I chose a guitar. And uh, a friend of mine introduced me to the most easiest Metallica song to play on a guitar, which is Nothing Else Matters. Hmm. And then from then on... Um, you know, he, he he showed me a, a bit of uh, Doom Forgiven, so I was hooked and, uh, hooked since that day. And for some reason, my brother around that same time um, bought uh, Garage Inc. Mm. And <laughs> weirdly, I didn't know. I, I thought all those songs were were Metallica. Yeah, I think a lot of so, us did. Yeah, dude, and and I liked that album more than my brother. I was hooked since that day, since that day, and I just started like. You know, buying CDs here and there, and uh, it, that, that's been like I don't know, um, seventeen years or more. Mm. Tell me a uh, little bit about the chapters. So, you know, Metallica has these chapters all throughout the world, and uh, maybe for our listeners who don't really know what that means, can you talk a little bit about what it means to be in? Because the chapters are actually recognized by Metallica, right? They're like official chapters. That's right. So t tell us about like how you got involved with that, what, what it means to be in a chapter. Do you guys get together and go to shows and have meetups and stuff? That's right. Uh, so what the chapter is all about, it's, it's about just a group of friends uh, getting together, uh, listening to Metallica, talk about the band, or just, you know, hang out, um, promote, I guess, Metallica with all their friends. Um, I became aware of uh, chapters quite a few years ago. Um, I didn't actually get to be part of one until probably 2008. No, after after 2008, probably 2010. 
I was not aware of all of that. That happened after my first Metallica show. Uh, I started meeting people here and there, and then I learned about the fan club, and then I learned about the other fan clubs, which is just fans getting together, and that's what we call chapters. Um, I got together with my friend Randy Alanis from Texas, and uh, uh, they had a, a chapter, so they taught me all about it. We got together sometimes, um, enjoy music. He was he plays guitar, so sometimes uh, he will play guitar and show me Metallica stuff. And once I moved here to LA, um, there was not. I think there was a one active chapter, uh, but they they were not really active. You will message them on on Facebook or the socials and. There was not not any movement there, and um, just a couple of years ago, actually, yeah, a couple of years ago, uh, I met my friend Rob here in LA. Um, that was our first show together, and uh, they told us that you know, like two three days ago, they um, they decided to make a chapter here there in LA and just uh, you know hang out with their friends because it's like it seems like it seemed like uh, with the North American tour uh, last year. Uh, we we're gonna see each other often, so um, right. they decided to do that, and and I was like, I was online. I told them, like, dude, I want to be part of this, hmm. and um, so I became a member. And it's like, I don't know, six, seven, eight of us that are like really close and try to get together, you know. And right. it's just not only Metallica; it's just whatever. But it's like, I don't know. It's it's a whole friendship thing that we have. That's cool, and yeah. you know, and the chapters also. I what, what from my perspective i mean i didn't know much about that before i started the show but it seems like occasionally especially when the boys are touring that the chapters kind of rub up against each other in good ways too like i know that you got to meet up with maybe some of the some of sarah's people in the attitude chapter and do you guys ever try to organize chapter hangs with other chapters when you're at a show oh yeah that happens often those are the the pre-parties that someone normally puts together uh in the case for madison there was a pre-party i can't remember who um who made it happen, but I, I just know that uh, there was a pre-party happening and people from all these chapters were going to be there, and uh, that's, that's, that's what it is. Just, I've, heard, I've heard some people describe it as, I mean, obviously everyone's there for the music, that's why we, we all are in the chapters and going to the shows, but I did hear someone describe it, who's, who's like you, a diehard, is like, it's almost not even about the music anymore, because they've been friends with these people for so long, and some of the, some some of these uh, friendships they only really get to see each other when Metallica tours. So I actually Dude, really yeah. I like that aspect of it. You know, I, I completely agree. Like it's it's not even about the music anymore. Um, I mean, like I love Metallica and I love seeing them, um, but the thought of just traveling to see my friends came when uh, when I went to Europe um, to see Metallica, and the only reason why I decided to go is. Not because of Metallica. Mm-hmm. I wanted to go because I wanted to see my friends. Right. Because everybody was going, and I haven't seen them for for probably over a year or less than a year. Right. And uh, and they they were telling me like, dude, you gotta go, you gotta go, you gotta come with us. And I was just thinking like, I don't know, Europe is kind of expensive, so right. I don't know. I don't, like, I don't think I can do it. Plus, I had to take time off. But um, at the end of the day, I had I worked it out with my boss. I I had to make sheets up. You know, just how many days I was gonna do, how many shows, how much will I spend, and I was I spent hours doing all all of that. And once I figured everything out, everything worked out. I took two weeks off and uh, flew to Spain and see my, saw my friends over there. There was like I don't know, uh, 14, 12 
um, of us like just getting Airbnbs together. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was great, dude. It was such a bonding experience. Like Metallica is just a cherry on top, but everything in between, just passing time with my friends, that was everything. That was my trip. That's what I remembered the most. And that's what's more, most important for me. So I think that's, that's kind of the reason. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of the reason why I deci- we decided to do this trip with my friends, just kind of to, to bond together even more. Now, you are one of the owners of the Black Ticket, which we've learned from Aaron and Sarah. It means you can go to any show on the North American tour and you get early access to the rail. How many shows are you planning on trying to see? I know you've told me privately, but just for the listeners. Um, I'm, I'm thinking probably around anywhere from 12 to 15. Mm-hmm. It could probably be more. I'm um, hoping for more. You are, but, uh, you are planning on coming to the Nashville gig, right? Oh, hell yeah, just for you guys, dude. I want to be there. That's going to be so fun, dude. I keep I feel like I keep yep. saying that on the show, but it's going to be, I think, a reoccurring theme with most of the people I talk to for this series that they're going to be coming to that, uh, to the pre-party and the show. So there is one thing I did want to talk to you about. When I hung out with you on the bus, um, you were telling me about sort of, uh, we were talking a lot about the echelons of diehards, and it's it's sort of a world that's been opened up to me since Ethan and I started the show, but you were saying that you were involved in like a collector's group? Oh, yeah. Um, I had never even heard of that, So what because you, you were wearing the t-shirt, and I, I didn't know what the acronym was. Can you talk about what that group is? That is, that is called the, well, uh, the acronym is TMCC, and it um, stands for the Metallica Collector's Club. Right. And is that something from the old yeah. forums or something? And it's sort of that, yeah, that's people that kind of wanted to make a forum and just get together as collectors and just kind of really geek out on, on 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 collectibles. Like these people collect like every single copy of every release or variants and rare things. I mean, uh, there's there's a bunch of things that I never thought they were released. They were so limited. There's like under a hundred of them. It's just like a, it's another world of collecting that I wasn't even aware of. Mm-hmm. And they kind of, one of the guys uh, talked to me. He said, like, hey, maybe like since I was in the forums and I was really active and I was like pointing out certain things, he, he told me like, hey, you, you probably like this dark side of the forum, which is like the other one. Because um, we were we would mess with each other really nice. And I mm-hmm. love those guys. Um, and you... after that, I was... Go ahead. I was hooked with collecting, and now I own a bunch of stuff that uh, I never thought I own. <laughs> What's uh, uh, what are some of the most notable things you have that would that would be impressive to the, your average listener? Um, Which is, by the way, I would include myself as the average listener. Well, I have uh, I have a few of the um, color vinyls that some of them were like uh, under a hundred copies. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of them are under a thousand copies. Uh, but the things I like the most, I think, are posters and things uh, like that. There's kind of art that I can actually enjoy on the wall. Right. Uh, so I have uh, one of the Saint Anger. I have uh, the Saint uh, Saint Anger lithographs. Mm-hmm. Um, those are those were never released. Those were never on sale. I don't know how they decided to give those out. So, but it's like the four variants of the cover of Saint Anger. Oh right, because they did the different colors, right? Yeah, and those are like um, I don't know, eighteen by twenty or something. It's some some weird uh, measurement. What were, uh, what, were the, what were the additional colors? It was it was there's a green one, right, and a, maybe a an orange one or a yellow. Uh, well, there's the there's the red one, uh-huh. uh, the red one. Then there's the the purple. They call it the purple because it's a purple purple fist and a um, 
um, in a yellow background. Mm -hmm. uh, then there's one that is uh, orangey. Mm -hmm. um, it's orange in like, some other tone of orange. I can't remember the last one. I think it's bluish. I think it's all blue. I love Different that. I love that blue. artwork so much. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I love it. This head is you know, super, super cool. And I also have another push head. It's, um, Lithograph that is the back of Plane Anger mm -hmm. is the guy, um, you know, the skull that's got the little fist on his neck and mm -hmm. it's just hanging out. Yep. Uh, uh, that's, I think it's called the Blizzard Edition. Instead of being red, it's all bluish. Um, that's quite red, I think, and it's signed by Robert and Kirk. I got that signed one day. So have you met all the boys? Uh, I have met three of them. I, have, I haven't met James. Mm -hmm. Um, Lars, he was not really like a met him, met him. I kind of just was next to him, and I was able to just kind of shake his hand like for a second, and that was it. Yeah. Um, as for Kirk, I really, I, I, it was like a really, I really, I think I really met him. That was uh, on his um, uh, Too Much Horror Business uh, signing. Yeah, the book, the book signing. So I met him there. Cool. And Robert, I met him like three times here in LA. You can find him like, I don't know, here and there. <laughs> He's just crab walking down at the local 7-Eleven, probably. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He was crab walking to get some gas at the gas station. Yeah, yeah. Well, he yeah he either crab walks or does the helicopter to fuel up. Yeah, he's helicoptering all the way over to the gas turnstiles. That's yeah, pretty funny, dude. Okay, so, hey, just real quick, while we're camped out in St. Anger World, what do you think about St. Anger? That's the controversial record. Where do you stand on that stuff? Is it a record you like? Love it. Okay, all right. Dude, I fucking love it. <laughs> I love the enthusiasm I, for it. Dude, like, I, I know it's got its flaws. It's not mm -hmm. perfect. Right. There's definitely, like, long songs. And at some point, like, I much rather listen to the radio edit, edits just because it's uh, they're they're shorter. Yep. Straight to the point. Mm -hmm. uh, but no lie, dude. Like, and, and I know a lot of people are not going to like this, but I can listen to that album, like, back to back. I know, just like twice in a row, like the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think the longer I live with it and live just with the sort of the, the absurdity of the whole thing, I actually have come to kind of love what it is, what it represents, the time and the band, what they needed to yeah. go through. And then some of the songs really do kick ass. It's cool. Yeah, dude. Yeah, definitely. It's just like like you guys say, it's just a different slide up pizza and that's a slice of pizza that i like there you go and the nice thing about you with this pizza is there's plenty of it for you to eat because most people passed on it oh yeah most, oh, pe yeah. most people pass on the saint anger flavor but and bring it let's bring it up to hardwired where we're of course this they're gonna go do stadiums in europe but it's looking like maybe the last you know quarter of the uh hardwired tour how do you feel about the record are you excited about it where does it oh, stand yeah. for you Super, dude. Uh, just when we found out, uh, you know, the little teasers here and there, I was just super excited. Mm -hmm. uh, once I got to listen to it, uh, I thought it kicked ass. It, <clears throat> just the first part of the album, I think most people will agree that it's like best. Yeah, stronger. The second part, the second part, it's uh, it's still good, not the best, but I, I still like it. Cool. Um, yeah, love it. Well, let's talk about the show, Grand Forks. So this was your fourth show. You'd seen the three before. And yeah. I'm sure you, like all of us, have been real excited by the slots. They've really upped the game on the slots. In fact, today I was kind of counting. Uh, there's like seven slots now, seven rotating slots where something different might happen. 
And we've, of course, been treated to No Leaf Clover, Unforgiven 3. I mean, let's just camp out there for a second. What was it like to see those two songs? Oh, wow. <laughs> Dude, I, but, like, I was looking at my friend next to me, and uh, when, when Clover, they, 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 you know, they played the intro tape, and there was, like, the symphony and thing, and we were, like, wondering, like, what was that? Like, I mean, obviously it was familiar, but it was off by just a bit. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, I was thinking, is that, is that no uh, minus human? And like, no, no. And my friend was like, sounds like the intro to uh, whenever I'm in Rome, like on with the uh, with symphony. I'm like, no, no, no. And then like, there's the lingering notes here and there, and I'm like, dude, no way, that's no leaf clover. <laughs> and then they just come out and just match, and they were like super tight, like really tight on that song. Love it. And um, as for the Forgiven 3, dude, totally, totally unexpected. I know. Wow. That blew, <laughs> that blew our minds. And I was like, no way. They're pulling out deep, like deep cuts. Yeah. One, of, one, of, I, one, one of the things that I talked with Aaron about is like, first of all, to get the Unforgiven 3, it's only been played like seven times. That was the eighth and yeah. had been played in however many years. It's almost like, so that's a treat in of itself. But the idea that they played the Unforgiven 3, like... Man, this tour is going to be real exciting if that's if it's on the table like that, you know, something that yeah. deep. Yeah, dude, that was the first time I played here in the U.S. So right, right. I'm so lucky I was there. <laughs> well, let's get into the show that you were at. So you have the black ticket, so you get early access. Are you a rail guy? What's what's your vibe? And and also, I'd like to hear if you're mixing it up with uh, different shows. Do you try to go to different places? What's your strategy for all that? Well, funny you ask. Um, well, I've been I've been a, a real guy forever. Like I n- I've never seen Metallica in some other place other than the rail. Like I never seen them from far away. Uh, from far away, and mm. I want to do that in one of the one of the next shows. Um, but this this time around, I normally just uh, hang on one section, one uh, one of the uh, I guess members' sides. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it just so happened that um, the first show. Uh, we went to Kirkside because it was open, and then on the second show I did Lars because that's where I hung out on on Europe, and I kind of like that side. Mm-hmm. And then for the third show, for some reason, we were able like to rush into the into the venue like really quick and and get a hold of um, um, uh, of uh, James's side, which is really hard to get because most people wanna wanna be there. Right. And, uh, and, you, like, and you know which one they have designated sides? Like, you know which one's going to be which? Because it seems like, yeah. to me, the casual viewer, that they float around a lot. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, they, um, you know, they go all over the stage, but they, they have the dedicated stage where their tech is at. And so to explain it uh, on the, on the, I guess, on the square, whatever the, the drum set is facing first as you come in, mm-hmm. that will be Robert's side. That's where Zach will be there. His base, uh, base deck, mm-hmm. and uh, he'll have his base rig there. To the right of that, if you go um, clockwise, then that's James' side. Then the other opposite side is uh, Kirk's, and then there's uh, Lars on the on the other side. And you'll see their, you know, their techs and their gear there. So that's, if you want to like see right. someone like really close, um, you want to go to one of those uh, four corners or four middle spaces. Because they come down the stairs and sometimes they shake your hand and they see you and all this stuff. 
when you're going to shows like this, like you've seen 22 shows, are you seeing some of the same people? Like, are there certain people that always go to Kirk's side or always check out Robert or is it that kind of thing? Mm, not really. Um, they okay. go all over the place. Yeah. Like, most of the time, uh, you just want to get real anywhere you can, right? Right, right. Uh, unless, unless you, um, unless you, you know, you really want to go to one side, but I'm not, normally, like, they just go to, you know, anywhere they can. It is nice. I mean, they do they do move around enough to where if you just grab some rail, you're going to get some interaction with the boys. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, it always. Like, um, the corners get more attention than the centers of the stage. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you want, like, a little more interaction, you should go to a corner. But um, if you're in the middle, then that's when you interact with the members of the band a little more because they come down the stairs. So it just, it's a balance there. See, that's why I love the show. The show is more than just fans talking. It's educational. We can yeah. tell you exactly where to go on the rail for whatever kind of experience you want. That's the yeah, value exactly. there. All yeah. right, so let's talk about the Jim Brewer opening set. So you have the benefit and luxury of seeing multiple shows in a row. You've gotten to see it evolve from Madison, where we've all heard it, it went on a little long. The boys had to go on late. They were working out some kinks, and then they sort of stripped it down, maybe gave him some less time. He's doing more stand-up. What was this, what was his uh, deal like at this show? How is it different? What do you think about it? And every other relevant question I can think of. It's a uh, it was much great. Just um, coming back to the Madison one, mm-hmm. yeah, it took it, it was it took too long. It was it just dragged along for too long. Uh, the pacing was like super slow. They were trying to do everything with the lights on, and I don't know. They worked the kings out. So for by the second show, it got much better. Pacing was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, the third show even better. For this one, uh, it was it was it was great as well. It was uh, nice, short and sweet. He he does repeat almost the same jokes here and there, but he's right. doing um, a, you know a different story here and there. So which is great for us, for us uh, of us that you know see more than one show. Mm-hmm. Other than that, like people were having a good time, and I, I heard I heard good things about about Jim with uh, people that that were around us. You know, they were laughing. Mm. Um, the only thing that is kind of off deal is uh the, um, the the i guess the uh the fans that have seen metallica many times telling the new fans like welcome to the metallica family that everyone's supposed to shout like welcome to the metallica family to the new i guess fans mm-hmm. it just but it still it just kind of doesn't work i don't know it's weird um other than that it was great um uh, one thing to point out about this show is that they normally um Go around and throw um, shirts to people, you know, on the stairs. I mean, on the stairs, on the seats. Mm-hmm. They have a little cannon with air. Mm-hmm. And he's shooting, like, you know, free shirts. Uh, but the, he didn't do that this time because what happened is that there was a wedding happening next door. Mm. So they decided to crash that wedding and they brought the, the bride and the groom. And, uh, yeah, they were I, I saw that. So they weren't there getting married, like, at the show. They were just next door. So he just brought them up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought, like, I thought at first, like, they were getting you know, married right there on the Metallica stage. Uh, but no, it just happened that there's a saloon next door or something. Hmm. Um, I guess, I don't know if they knew or not, but uh, yeah, Jim decided to go crash the wedding. They, uh, they, they brought him on, on stage. They had the little 30 seconds of, uh, you know, fun moments on stage, just kind of dance around and everything. Turns out the, the groom was uh, supposedly a uh, hard Metallica a hardcore Metallica fan. Oh, cool. Um, and, uh, you know, it was, it was cool. That's fun. Something something, something different, yeah. I mean... It was, it was something different. Yeah. So, 
the boys, uh, the anticipation, we all know. They, Jim leaves the stage. They, you hear the ACDC song, then we hear Ecstasy of Gold. The first three, which are sort of standards, Hardwired, Atlas, and Seek. Any, any thoughts about those? The first three, they kind of come out and hit you pretty hard with those three, in my opinion. Killer, dude. Killer. Like, yeah, the Atlas, I mean, the Hardwired Atlas is staple. That's got to mm-hmm. stay. Mm-hmm. And we all know it. Seek, like, think, Seek seems fun. Get the, get, gets the crowd going, you know, early on. Um, it's cool that that song can work so well at the top end, at the at the back of a set, you know? Yeah. yeah everybody see, gets pumped. I can see it at the top, especially after Hardwired Atlas, for maybe people who aren't as familiar with the new record. You know, within the first 15 minutes, they're getting a big crowd sing-along from their first record. All the yeah, all the trues out there are happy. It's it's a good moment, you know, for that. Now, I'm super jealous of you. the first rotating slot, which I guess is just called the fourth slot. They've yeah. been doing, they've done Cyanide, they did Harvester Sorrow, Memory Remains. For this show, you guys got what I think is a treat, which is Ride the Lightning. Dude, yeah, for sure, dude. I, I I loved it, dude. Ride any any day. I'll take it any day too, man. Such yeah, such an amazing song. How did they sound tight? I mean, that's a hard one to pull off. Um, I must say they they were a bit off. I think Lars was rushing in one part. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I I mean I take it. I love it. You know. Yeah, I mean I think on the last in the U.S. on the last tour they only did it the one time when they played the arena in Uniondale. I don't know. Were they playing Ride the Lightning in Europe? I can't remember what they were doing on the arenas in Europe, if they ever played that one. Mm, no, I don't think I heard it there. Yeah. And then in the fifth slot, you got... Uh, they did play it in the stadiums, but they didn't play it at all in Europe. You got the Unforgiven, which, I, you know, I'll take that, too. I'll take it as well. That happened right in front of my face, dude. That was, <laughs> I was dead center in front of James, and he was playing acoustic, so I'll take it. Wow. It, it makes me wonder. I don't know if you and your buds wondered about it, too, but... Unforgiven three now Unforgiven and the fifth slot seems to be a ballad slot. Dude, I mean, I'm, if I'm they, glad. you think they're gonna play Unforgiven two? Dude, I'm glad you mentioned it because like they normally play the tape before Unforgiven. Ah, uh, the horn. And, uh, yeah. There's like that's not. I mean, not the only the horn. There's like the you know like the long version of the video has some like uh, swells in there and yep. some notes in there. Yep. So they play they play some of that. Mm-hmm. And uh and at the end you get the horn. Hmm. So like. You know, at the very beginning, I was like, dude, like, I know that's, like, for the Unforgiven them, but I was like, no way they're going to do the second one, because, you know, it's, it's the fifth slot, the slot, so I was thinking, like, they're putting the rare songs right there. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I was like, ah, no, it's not going to happen, because he's got the acoustic out. So, right, <laughs> right. That is a good then indicator. Go, yeah, the astute observer yeah. will notice, like, yeah, if that, because he, he plays that acoustic that's kind of on a stand, right? That acoustic yeah. thing that he does, and... But it seems yeah. like if they're doing three and Unforgiven and No Leaf Clover in that slot, that, that, that you're right. That's kind of the big slot, right? That's the big uh, curveball slot. I mean, so far it's been, uh, but we'll, we'll see. They've been really changing the set list, and I'm so glad, you know? Well, on the, yeah, on the stadium tour in the States, they had basically three slots. where And, and yeah. within those three slots, there were really only about three songs. So once you cracked the code, it took a little bit of the excitement out. But like I said earlier, so I'm counting one, two, three, four, five, seven rotating slots, and the amount of songs in those slots seem to be adding up, you know? So uh, after Unforgiven, you get Now That We're Dead, the, of course, the drum thing. It's interesting to get everyone's take on that. How do you feel about the drum moment Now That We're Dead? I like it. Um, I'm, I'm not there a while. I like it. Um I see the guys having fun with it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's what I take. You know, they're 
doing something different. They're doing something they enjoy. So if that's something, it helps them get motivated. It helps them like you know feel cool and do the thing. That's I'm all for it. You know, I I like to chat. I like the interaction with the people. Um, I know for new fans, like they don't they don't know what's happening. They don't know when to shout the counts and you know all that. But I I, I love seeing uh, James. Drum, yeah, know? yeah. I think that I think yeah, a lot of us feel that way because we all know he's a, you know, he loves to play drums. So it's nice to see him being yeah. happy and doing something he likes. What's the general crowd vibe? I mean, is the crowd digging it? It was it's fifty fifty. You know, the yeah. ones that we know or or the people that have seen the show at least on videos, mm-hmm. um, they 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 kind of dig it. But most people are like they don't they don't know what's happening. <laughs> so it's 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 fifty fifty. I'd say. Okay, yeah, I think that's pretty, from what I can see, I mean, it was definitely that way in the stadiums, but stadiums are so hard to tell because there's so many people. Yeah. It seems like you get a better barometer in an arena. Now, the next song, which I would consider to be the second biggest treat, uh, is you guys got Dream No More. Oh, yeah, dude, heavy, heavy, heavy. And so that's a slot they've either done Creep In, they've done Confusion, it's kind of unclear what the purpose of the slot is, but exactly. to, to get Dream No More is real exciting. How did it sound? Oh, dude, heavy as hell, dude, for sure. That's like, um, <clears throat> I mean, I got to hear it uh, on Europe, and um, I think that was the third time I heard it here. Mm. And I was happy because it was another rotating slot. You know, I already got confusion and I got the other one. So having Dream there on the slot was perfect. Yeah, I mean, and maybe maybe that's the slot that they'll, if they're hopefully, if they're going to debut Am I Savage or um, Here Comes Revenge, maybe that's a good slot for it, too. It's kind of, oh, it's kind of a hardwired slot, even though they... They did do creep there before, but yeah. Um, all right, moving right along. Bells, classic staple. Crab the crab walk, classic, dude. Dude, like people go nuts on that song. Yep. So bad. Like, I love it, dude. Because like this crowd. Uh, I mean, this uh, arena. Um, it was more like a football field, and there mm. was like only seats on one side and the other. There was not not seat. Not. I mean there. There wasn't any seats on on the long side. Gotcha. It was like the the general admission was really long, like long, and people just were. I, I looked back and people were jumping, shouting, putting their hands up. It, it just it was loud. So Alex Finney mentioned on the Lincoln show that he seemed like it just seemed like the city had maybe some sort of special connection with the song. Maybe it's a sports related thing. Did you feel that also in Lincoln? Did this feel like more more of a reaction in Lincoln? <clears throat> I don't know if there was uh, anything attached to the song, right? Uh, but it was definitely louder than Lincoln, just because the GA was really more really, people. Yeah, yeah, it was big. All right, and then okay. another rotating slot. Here we are again, the seventh slot, Sanitarium, which kind of seems like maybe another ballad slot. They've been doing Halo and Fade. I think it's yeah. a treat to get Sanitarium. Where do you stand on all the ballads? Well, like if you're going to take Fade or one, if you're going to pit them against each other would you have a favorite one out of all those uh oof hard hard choice I'm glad they're retaining Halo though yeah um that can drag along I'll take Fade any day Mm Sanitarium is is a treat out out of all those for sure yeah um they uh they do play a a tape before it um it's it's almost the same tape that they use I I mean I heard that tape with uh Day That Never Comes Mm mm-hmm and they play for uh, I think for Fade of Black as well. Um, and and uh, what I what I noticed about that tape is that um, if they they're, if they're gonna play the date that never comes, 
right uh i don't know maybe 30 seconds before they play this song there's like some lingering noise of uh day that never comes mm. and if they play fade to black there's some lingering notes of uh of fade to black gotcha so with sanitarium i think uh i also heard like a couple nuts uh notes uh, right before the tape uh they kind of like let you know what song's coming right if you really put attention right 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 we got, I like that. We got Detective Edgar out there, down there in the crowd on the case, man. Yeah, dude, if you put that. attention, yeah, put attention <laughs> on that after that tape, and like, you'll hear like some notes that you'll you'll know what it like. You'll 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 be like, I've heard that before, but I'm not sure what it is. Right, and then you realize it's, it's that one song. You know, I like the idea of all the intro tapes too. It like gives the band a bit of a breather, kind of a palate cleanser. The lights oh, yeah, can they, all go down. It can build anticipation. I think it's cool how they incorporate that in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they need that break for sure. Okay, and then now let's talk about the doodles. So then we get one of Kirk and Rob's doodles, which I, I know they did several different things. I know a lot of people were kind of blowing my, my phone up. I had a show while they were playing that uh, they were kind of jamming on Eye of the Beholder, amongst other stuff. What do you think about the doodles and... You got to see the Prince uh, homage with When Doves Cry, and, you know, Rob's doing a lot more singing during the doodles now. What are your thoughts about that? He seems to really dig it. Him, Kirk, really seem to dig it. Uh, uh, it's almost the same thing as uh, as the drum set on, on Dead. You know, mm-hmm. it, they're having fun with it. Um, I, like, a lot of people, I'd probably much rather hear something else, but uh, right. it's also a little treat, and... You know, it's something that they like to work on and, and have fun with it. And it gives, uh, you know, Lars and, and James a break. So I'm up for I'm up for that. If, 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 whenever I see Rob and, and Kirk doing that, they're always, like, smiling. Yeah. Uh, Kirk has a, always a big smile. He's just, like, walking around. And he's jamming. And, like, it's very, very loose. Yep. Uh, but dude, like they're having fun, and, and I like seeing the guys smile. I do too. My, my my take on it, having seen it kind of in person, and then being able to watch videos and talk to folks like you about it, it seems like the whole idea is like Rob's baby. Like you know, I think it's his idea. But it, I think yeah. Kirk likes the because they're going to build the thing in, and historically it's been a big guitar hero thing where Kirk's got to come out and shred or whatever. And I think he likes the idea of the pressure being off of him in that way for that moment in the in the show. True, it's something he gets to yeah. share with Rob. It's kind of Rob leading it, and it's kind of something to do every day. Like, oh, who's from this town? What can we do that's special for here? And like, give some purpose to the day that where it's not just sort of show up, wake up, play the show. You know, it breaks exactly. it up. Yeah, yeah, they keep expanding. You know, with their uh, music taste, and they like to pick something. And like, you know, I'm sure they go like, oh, let's jump with that and. Just kind of play around it. Like, I know it probably keeps them motivated, you know, because like, they have to rehearse the same songs all over and over. And this is something they can work on and, you know, be happy about. Right. Yep, I agree. I mean, it may not be my my cup of tea, but I like that that moment's in the show. And it's something I look forward to. Like, what are they going to do? You know, it's cool. Um, yeah. Especially in it when they were doing, like, Lincoln or, or like, a, a town they've never been to or a smaller town. It's like, ooh, what is, you know, what's going to happen? So, yeah. Next, we get yet another slot, the 10th slot that's rotating, and you guys got Motor Breath. So, am I getting this right? I want to make sure yeah, I get the set yeah. right. So, it's weird. It's like the first few shows, it seemed like it was a cover slot, like in the European cover arena slot. run. But now, they're, right. it's almost like a kill em all slot, too. So, so how, far, how, yeah. yeah how was how Motor Breath, and what did you think about all that? <laughs> Unexpected, dude. Like, they, uh, after the, after the Idol Beholder... 
um, jam. I think uh, Lars came in and then did the, they did the little uh, trash can outro. Mm-hmm. And then after that, uh, I was I was hoping, I was thinking like, no nah, way, they're gonna they're gonna do whiplash, you know, which is right. like trash can and then whiplash. Well, right. But uh, they came out with motor breath, and I was I was blown away because it was such a treat. Like I, I I think it's the first time I've ever heard that song live. I felt I got to see it last year in um, whew, I don't remember if it was Detroit or St. Louis, but I thought the same thing. I thought, what a treat, man! This song is so thrashy, so brutal from the first record. It doesn't get as much love, and I just thought it was really cool to look around and see a bunch of people getting off on it in 2018, you know, or 17 yeah, for me. Sure. Yeah. So then another rotating slot, you get Creep, which I've said it a million times. It's my favorite Metallica song. I'll take that at every show I ever see. Any day. That, that's another song that works like anywhere on the set. Absolutely. And I bet you mentioning that the GA was so big. I bet that the, the die chant part was pretty exciting. Oh yeah, dude! Like I, I was like I was looking back and forth, and I was like, dude, everybody's putting their hands up. And then I looked at the at the chairs, and they, everybody like was just die, die, right. super loud. I was just looking at my friend. I was like, dude, this crowd is loud. That's fun, dude. Yeah. It's fun to feel like you're part of something like that, you know? Yeah, like it, it just really unites every everybody in a you know in a nice yeah a, a nice chant about biblical plagues and death. That's cool. Yeah. You know, something as nice as, you know, die. So then we kind of get their four standard closers before the encore, which, man, these four in a row are just pummeling to me. Moth in the Flame, Savage True, Puppets. It's so pummeling, dude. That's what I've noticed, dude. I was like, whoa. And so uh, the the reports I've heard so far about the drones and Moth are that they're pretty cool. I mean, from your vantage point over there on the rail, how's the drone situation shaking out? Um, like I said, I've never been like far away from the stage to actually see how it looks like from afar. Yeah. I've seen the videos and it looks cool, but I think I think it looks better when you're like off the rail since like you can look up and you see the actual circle. Right. Just kind of going around and it looks like a tornado. Tornado. Mm. It's so sick. Just from that point of view, really close to the stage. I will. Love say, them. I will say, yeah, I, I had the rail uh, in the snake pit for St. Louis and. I mean, that, I could talk for a long time about how unforgettable that experience was, but it was nice in Detroit to be back and be able to really see the show. I definitely wasn't able to see the whole show from being right up front, you know? Yeah. Really appreciate oh, yeah, those big miss- screens and stuff. Yeah, you miss on a lot of stuff uh, being being at the rail. Um, anything to say about Sabbath True 1 or Puppets? I mean, that's pretty standard fare. Pretty exciting Super tunes. Standard. Like, to me, well... Savage True is my my downtime. It's when I take it easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know like that 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 song gets everybody going. And a lot of people like get crazy with it. That's what I decided. Like, okay, I'm gonna take a, a little bit of a break here. I love that, dude. It's one of their heaviest songs. You're like, I like to take a yeah. break during one of their top five and heavy I just, songs. Like, I just I still sing it. I still you know move my hands here and there. But like, I know I'm not giving it my all. Like, <laughs> I'm just like, okay, this is because I know what's coming. You know? Yeah, 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 totally. It's like okay, like Sabatru, you know, heard it a million times. It's like, you know, I, mm-hmm. I like it, but it's like uh, right now it's like whatever, you know, like mm-hmm. sad. I could I, I could live without it, you know. I could, yep. I could put another song in there. It'll be perfect for me. Yep, I um, I totally understand. How about one? How the how do the boys sound? Were they sounding tight on one? Dude, yeah, super tight and. and 
for all those uh, Lawrence haters, dude, like he's pounding those drums. He's doing the double bass drum. Like I was, he was, I was right behind him, so I could he, I could see his feet move, and he was just pounding, dude. He was, he was going hard on every song, but he was going really hard on this one. There are a few things left in the world <laughs> that bore me as much as people who hate on Lars Ulrich. Yeah. I'm just so over it. I don't care. Like, yeah. I think he's so great. And I I think you're right, too. Like, when I was there watching him play, I thought he was playing pretty damn good, pretty damn tight. Yeah. He was tight on this one, dude. And, like, I'm telling you, like, he's, he's giving him his all. Like, right. He's having fun with it, and you could, you could tell he's, like, just hitting those things hard. I love that. I mean... Your our dudes are up there giving it everything they got. What else can we ask for? You know, like exactly. especially now with all these rotating slots. So then we get puppets, and then there's the encore. Now, if I had been following this tour, the first encore song is "Battery," so it seems like they are willing to mix up these thrashers. And it's not going to just be spit out the bone every night. If this was going to be my only show of the tour, I might have been a little disappointed to see "Battery." I know for you guys, it was probably a nice break from "Spit Out the Bone." Yeah, exactly, dude. Like, and like, I can totally understand if it's your show and then you're looking to, to see that one song but I mean you gotta let speak breathe a little you know it's yeah. just, he, he, he becomes old and when they um, when they rotated with battery fight fire with fire um, blacken it's such a you know refreshing slot there it's right. like yeah you know something else uh, I love speed uh, speed works uh, nicely live mm-hmm. there's some uh I have some. I I, I was I was I was uh, talking to some of my my fellow uh, chapter friends about like how they felt with Speed because I they haven't seen Speed uh, until the Madison show because I got to see Speed on on, on Europe mm-hmm. and I told them like after I saw Speed uh, like three four times already and they they rotated the other songs like I was okay with them rotating the songs more often than not because right. Speed. Um, the intro, I don't know. Like it feels like I don't. They, they do a little. Um, uh, they do it. A, uh, they do a tape, right? Yeah, they do, do the tape, and then James and uh, James and Kirk do. Uh, what do you call those? <laughs> I forgot the word. When the one plays the, the note uh, higher than the other. Octaves. Octaves. So I think they yeah. play uh, different octaves. Mm-hmm. Like it, it kind of sounds different. It sounds much different than the you know the. Uh, uh, the recording version, right? Um, and then there's the the breaks in between uh, the did and then then did and then 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 did and then then I don't know. Mm-hmm. I kind of it's weird life. Um, mm-hmm. And they told me like almost the same thing. They dig it, you know. We all like it. We all go crazy with it. Um, but I I I I, I like hearing a rotating song there. I, I was hoping for Black End, actually. <laughs> yeah, I got I got lucky and got to see that in Detroit. That That's that's at the top of my list for the Thrashers, for sure. Yeah. And we'll see, you know, it, it remains to be seen if they're going to be rotating that one, but the, I like yeah. the idea of them doing Spit, because I'm not sure that's one that's going to live on past this tour, so it, it, very you know, mu- that. it very much feels like the moment of the tour, but I also totally see your point about yeah, if you've seen it four, five, six, seven times. Because it, it's really competing with some real serious classics, you know, like Battery, yeah. Fight Fire, and Black End. It's in, yeah. it's in large company, you know. Yeah. So Nothing Else Matters in your Sandman. You, Edgar, the uh, seen him a whole bunch of times, the Die Hard. How do you, 
how do you emotionally deal with knowing that these two songs are coming and they're the most popular? <laughs> are you cool with those two tunes? Yeah, I'm cool with it. Like, you know, right after the, the Anchor song, I know what's happening. I know there will be a hang. And then, I mean, uh, uh, in, in, in after the, uh, the Anchor song, they'll, you know, finish. And then uh, James goes to his corner. Everybody goes to his corner. Mm-hmm. And then um, Kurt comes out and starts playing. Uh, Nothing Else Matters. What I notice is that he's playing a Strat right now. Ooh, for Nothing Else Matters? Really? Yeah. He normally yeah, plays a Les Paul. No, yeah, he's not. He's not been playing the last ball since. Wow, Matt has been playing a strat since. Uh, it's a blue, like a baby blue with white strat. Wow, does it sound and good? Like that was. Oh yeah, it, it was weird when I saw it. I was like, what? What? You know, he's playing that for nothing. I'm, uh, look, I'm looking. And he's been playing since then, so I'm, I, I like that he switched it up. You know. I'm looking this up right now. I need to see this. I need to see it. Yeah. And uh, hold on one second. Yeah, go for it. Can you hear that music? No. No. Okay, it's pretty loud. Ah, uh, I can't. The video is so shitty. It's like a phone video. I can't really see. <laughs> That's cool, man. I like that he's bringing out some different guitars. Did he play the Greenie at all? Are you familiar with that guitar? Uh, which one's that one? It's the it's the guitar that was owned by uh, Peter Green. It's like a Les Paul. It's re- it's like the two million dollar Les Paul he has, and he normally plays it on like Halo or Fade to Black. I guess you guys didn't get any other I, ballads I like I that. I don't think I've seen it. No, I don't think I, I saw it. I don't think so. It's crazy because it's such a valuable collector's guitar that most people who own it would never take it on the road. But he actually takes it on the road, which I think is really cool. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, for Sanitarium, I think he used the Mummy one. Okay, cool. Classic, sure. classic Kirk. Yeah. Well, it sounds like a really fun show, really fun tour. So you're already home in LA. What's your next plan to? Uh, what's your next little streak that you're planning on seeing? Um, I'm I'm planning for State College. Uh, I think it's November, uh, what October, September, October, October twentieth. Let's see, State College. I think it's October twentieth it next is. month. Yep, October twentieth. That's right. And then you. And then after that. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. So you're going to do that whole run, and then it's Charlotte, Philly, Buffalo, Albany? No, uh, I'm going to do Buffalo and Albany. I'm not doing Charlotte. Okay, cool. Um, I'm just doing State College because it's on the weekend. And also, let me see. I got my notes here. Yeah, State College because it's a Saturday. Monday, I'm not doing that. And then doing Buffalo because it's a Saturday. Mm-hmm. And also Albany. It's a Monday. I can take that off for sure. Cool. Um, so people, people, I guess the assumption is when you have a black ticket and you try to go to as many shows as possible, the assumption, I guess, is like, oh, they're just independently wealthy or they don't have a job. or, And what I've really found with a lot of my friends like you who do this is like, no, it's actually a sacrifice and you have to really make it work. And it's just a dedication to the community and to the music. And, you know, like you're really having to juggle work and figure out, you know, the budget to make it work. I think that's cool. Big sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Um, let me tell you my story about my black ticket. Mm-hmm. Um, so, right after my my trip to Europe, and because I went to see the guys over there, mm-hmm. I came back. Um, since I told you, like I, I knew it was gonna be expensive, and I decided to just throw it everything out of the window and say, like, okay, I'm gonna go see my friends, I'm gonna go see Metallica, I'm gonna have the the trip of my life. 
and uh, it doesn't matter if I spend all of it, you know. Um, I came back, you know, just knowing that I was short of money, knowing that I, I had to pay rent and all these things, and I was not getting paid probably until like the next week. Right. Um, and then they announced the black ticket, you know. And right. it was like, you know, this much, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, crap, like, I already used up everything. <laughs> and, and that was at the point, uh, and this is what people don't, don't realize, and you, that's when you say, like, sacrifices. Mm -hmm. I was like, dude, like, what am I going to do? I really want that. Like, I need that in my life. Um, <laughs> but it was either that or paying rent and bills and stuff, you know, being grown a person. <laughs> right, 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 right. And I was like, dude, fuck. I was like really debating. I was like, I was really thinking about it. And I was like, no, I can't do it. I can't, I can't afford it right now. Um, just gonna have to pay my rent and everything else, blah, blah, blah. And after uh, talking to my friends, I told them like, dude, like I just don't know what to do because I really, really want it. Um, so I came up and, and asked them, you know, would you guys like be willing to help me out? Um, if I, if, if I, if I'm able to get the black ticket and buy it, I won't be able to like <laughs> pay my rent this week. Mm -hmm. So will you guys uh, help me out with that? And then just kind of chip in there, you know, hundred bucks or whatever. And so I could pay that. And then uh, I'll pay you guys in the next week when I get paid. Right. And from there I'll be, I'll be fine. You know, <laughs> and they said, sure, dude, no problem. We'll help you out. Get that black ticket. That's amazing. So, dude. That's amazing. Dude, like I, I was so happy. Cause like, I got it, dude. All six of us got it, dude. Wow. And how many uh, were there total? They were just like a couple hundred, right? 250. Wow. Unbelievable. Uh, so all six of us uh, got it. We all <laughs> were talking to the phone. We were crazy about it. We were like super happy about it. And uh, after I got it, I was like, well, <laughs> I guess you guys are going to have to lend me some money. And, uh, you know, here I am. I, got, I was able to pay my rent. I was able to get my black ticket and... Here I am now traveling, uh, and, saving up more money. Yep, and now you've seen No Leaf Clover and The Unforgiven 3. So, yeah. so <laughs> that almost That's, might be worth the whole thing right there, those two songs. Dude, yeah. Like, I mean, like, my black ticket is already paid for with these four shows. Right, that's no right. Doubt. That's right. So it really just yeah. becomes more about the time, travel, lodging. Because the deal, the deal of the ticket, it was, what, 500 bucks, but then you can go to any show. So, yeah, that pays for itself pretty quick. Uh -huh. Yeah, that's cool. It was like 650 with taxes. Right. But man, but if you can hit, yeah, if you can hit 10 or 15 or 20 shows, good grief, that's a great deal. Yeah, it's super cheap tickets. <laughs> well, dude, thank you plus so you much. Get, oh, sorry, go ahead. Nah, plus, you get that nice laminate, you know? Well, the, the, they actually do think they look pretty sharp. It's got everyone's, yeah, it's got like a picture of your face on it. It looks very official. And it's heavy, dude. And it's like Is metal. it really? That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, it yeah. looks like graded, like graded black metal. Yeah. That's Love fun, it. man. Well, I'm going to let you go, dude. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk about Metallica and your journey and the show and give us all insight into what that's like. It's um, such a pleasure to know you and talk to you, dude. I feel like we're friends now. We sure are, man. Uh, I'd like to say one thing before uh, before we go. Mm -hmm. Happy birthday, Clint. Uh, thank you, dude. I appreciate that. <laughs> It's been a really good know. day. I was I was trapped on a. We were playing in Minnesota last night, so those are long travel days home. And but it was nice to get so many uh, thoughtful happy birthdays. And going to go to dinner here with my wife and daughter. And uh, it's been cool, man. I really appreciate that, dude. You're a sweetie. Aw, 
Don't let anyone say. Don't let anyone say anything else. Otherwise, you're a of sweetie. Well, yeah, we will thanks. see you in Nashville, and I'm sure we're going to have several listeners that are going to have heard this and be excited to meet you too. Um, For sure. It feels kind of far away, but if it's anything else like this year, it's going to fly by because this year has oh, been yeah. crazy for me. Yeah, it was going to feel like, oh, yeah, we were just talking on the phone like two exactly. days ago. <laughs> totally. Well, thanks, dude. We're looking forward to seeing you later, and uh, I guess we're going to go ahead and sign off. Have a good one, Edgar. You too, my man. All right, and just like that, it's done. We did it. Done. Done. I will make sure I edit out me calling you Eric 800 times. <laughs> <laughs> I really do appreciate all your support, dude. It's it's um, it means a lot that folks like you like the show so much, and you know I'm looking forward to the future of the Metal Up Your Podcast community. Yeah, dude, you guys are fucking amazing. I'm just I'm just glad you you actually got together and do the thing, take the time because like you guys mentioned it, like you could talk to a friend here and there, you know, but like just sitting down, recording, getting getting the time to uh, you know schedules and everything and it's incredible that you guys worked it out, you know, like yeah, that. Yeah, it's cool. You know, I think we're going to really be able to take it to the finish line and maintain quality, you know, whether it's another year or two. or We're both pretty committed to just making sure it's the content's, you know, you know, constant and uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like steady, you know, like we, we don't want to. It's been, like there's so many, so many things you guys have talked about and. Things I never heard of, and right. there's still like so many, mu- so many things like, to talk about. Still, yeah, yeah, we're excited, dude. Yeah. Well, thanks, man. I'm sure I'll be uh, seeing you on the socials and in text world, and of course in person in January. So we'll be in touch for sure. Enjoy the rest of your day, homie. You too, man. All right, bye, Edgar. Hey, this is Ethan and Clint from Metal Up Your Podcast, and we want to talk to you about something we love called Patreon. That's right. Patreon is a way for fans of the show to give back to the show to donate money that uh, helps us in quality and content. And not only that, but we've actually come up with all sorts of fun incentives to give back to you for supporting the show. Exactly. For instance, if you donate $5 or more, you get access to Cover Our World Blackened, which is the official Metal Up Your Podcast Metallica cover EP. That's right, and that's the only way to get it. In addition to the EP, we also give you priority email access, meaning we'll read your email first on the show. We give you early access to Patreon-exclusive merchandise, Patreon-exclusive giveaways, and any other side projects Ethan and I might be involved in. There's all sorts of things you can look at on there and you can donate to. Go check it out. Patreon.com slash Metal Up Your Podcast. How do you spell that, Clint? P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Metal Up Your Podcast. And if you really think about it, $5 a month for an entire year, that's really just like a cup of coffee a month. So go check it out. Thanks, everyone. Peace. Adios. Adios.